for our scripture reading this afternoon, we'll turn to the first epistle of Peter. First Peter chapter 1, we'll read the first 12 verses. One Peter chapter one. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Of this salvation the prophets have inquired and searched carefully, who prophesied of the grace that would come to you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. To them it was revealed that, not to themselves, but to us, they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things which angels desire to look into. This far, the reading for this afternoon. In a connection with that passage, we'll also read Lord's Day 9. Of the Heidelberg Catechism on page 37 in the back of your Psalter book. Lord's Day 9 on page 37 in the back. Question 26 asks, What do you believe when you say, I believe in God the Father, Almighty Maker of heaven and earth? And the answer is that the Eternal Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who have nothing made heaven and earth with all that is in them, who likewise upholds and governs the same by his eternal counsel and providence, is, for the sake of Christ his Son, my God and my Father, on whom I rely so entirely that I have no doubt but he will provide me with all things necessary for soul and body, and further that he will make whatever evils he sends upon me in this valley of tears, turn out to my advantage, for he is able to do it, being almighty God, and willing, being a faithful father.
So, dear congregation, what is your hope in this life? Where do you find your hope? And where are you looking for it? We know that often our current moods and our, our actions can be motivated by what we believe to lie ahead. We can motivate our children to do something even they don't really like to do if we say that there's something ahead that they can enjoy after they finish. When you're sick or when you're going through difficult times, you're often encouraged by the hope that it'll get better. You will recover or things will improve. It's that light at the end of the tunnel that keeps us going, isn't it? That keeps us pressing forward. But what if there is no light? What if you don't see anything that could ever improve? Does it then leave you in darkness and despair? That's where many people, unfortunately and tragically, end. But this is also what the Christians seem to be facing here in, in Peter's day. Because they lived in very bleak times. There was a lot of corruption, they were oppressed, they were persecuted by their neighbors, even by the religious rulers, and it appears that at this time it could also have been by the state. And so they were losing their property and their possessions, they were being driven out of their homelands into surrounding countries. And so where do you look for hope and encouragement in a situation like that? How will you be enabled to continue on with life? It's a question we need to be able to ask ourselves in our own changing culture. Because then there is only one place left to look, and it's outside of this world to the next. So last week we considered how, how Peter directed our attention to the triune God who, who elected sinners and who, through the blood of Christ, redeemed sinners, and that evidence also was seen by the Spirit working in their lives, sanctifying them. But now here in verse 3, you want to see how Peter directs these believers to specifically God the Father. God the Father in heaven for, for their, their greatest and their only hope that we can have in this world. And whatever we're facing here, whether it's sickness or trials or temptations or if we have to face persecutions in the future, Peter teaches us here to bless the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ for the living hope that you receive through Him. To bless God the Father. And that's our theme here this afternoon, blessing God the Father. And we have five the things you want to see from these verses 3 through 5. And first, well, Peter says there in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And to bless God really means to, to praise Him, to acknowledge Him, to extol Him for who He is and, and what He gives to you. It's, it's giving Him the glory that is, that is due to Him. And the first reason that we see here that we must bless the God, the Father, is because He is your Father. It says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. If we take a moment and consider where the catechism has been leading us, it's been dealing with the content 
of our Christian faith. What do we really believe? Last time on Lord's Day 8, we saw the importance of, of faith in the Trinity, believing in the triune God. And now, Lord's Day 9 will summarize what our faith in God the Father is as our Creator and Sustainer in this life. And Lord's Day 10 looks at God the Father in providence, in the, in the providence of, this, of this world. And so this, the Catechism makes us ask this question, because every Lord's Day we, we recite the confession of faith. And what, so what do we believe when we confess, I believe in God the Father, Almighty Maker of heaven and earth? And we read that, how the Catechism summarizes it. And I'll read the first part again where it says that the eternal Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who of nothing made heaven and earth and all that is in them, who likewise upholds and governs the same by His eternal counsel and providence, is for the sake of Jesus Christ my God and my Father. That is what we are confessing. Confessing that He is my God and my Father. And you say, well, how is that so? Well, in the first place, you can say that God is the Father of all living because He has created all things. He created all things good and beautiful in this world, and He created you perfect in Adam and Eve, able and willing to serve Him. Even though we have fallen into sin, we were born rebellious creatures at enmity with this God. But He is still to be praised and to be worshipped for who He is and how He has created this world. But secondly, there is we can consider he is, he is our Father by covenant. Just like Israel is given the covenant promises where God said, I will be your God and you shall be my people. They were called to live as the children of God. They received the covenant promises and the, and the curses. And if they walked in His commandments, they would receive His blessing. If they forsook Him, they would receive His curses. So we have to consider that everyone who's brought into that covenant community is considered part of that covenant. Baptism also signifies the being incorporated into that community, even for infants. And the mark of baptism seals those promises and those curses to us. We're called to live as God demands of us in His Word. But in here, especially thirdly, God is a Father specifically by those who have been regenerated, those who are His through the blood of Christ. Verse 3 says, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. God causes His people to be born again by His Holy Spirit. It's the work of God. Verse 23, if you turn there, it says, being born again, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible through the Word of God, which lives and abides forever. By grace, through faith, Scripture says, you are born again by the Spirit of God, renewed, given a new spiritual life, and that comes through faith in the death and resurrection of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's for this reason that we must bless God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
you bless him for that infinite cost, the infinite cost that, that the death of Christ came at, and that was required to save sinners. That though it is a free gift of God to his people, it comes at an infinite cost to him. Bless God the Father for how he saves you, because how because of Christ he, he can take you from, from creatures who are separated from God, who, who live with enemies, enemies to God, to make you his children of God, to adopt you as sons and daughters of the Most High God, taking you into his family. He, he loves you with an everlasting love who provides you for you as the creator of this world, who prov- protects you as the almighty God of the universe. And all for the sake of Jesus Christ, who could say in John 20, I ascend up to my Father and to your Father. You can bless and praise God because of this relationship that He has made, that as a child to a father, you draw near to Him with that trust, with that confidence, with that security, with that love. And then to know that even though we suffer in this world because of the consequences of our sin, because of the consequences of the sin-cursed world, that though His people are persecuted for righteousness in this world, we do not suffer because of His wrath and justice against our sin. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that praise, that blessing is fueled even more when when we understand the mercy of God. And that's our second thought. We we bless Him because of His mercy. Because verse 3 there says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again. Why does God save sinners? Well, the reason or the motivation can only be found in himself, in his own mercy, in his own love. Because there's nothing in us that caused God to have compassion on us. We only deserve his justice, his wrath. He saw nothing in us but sin, but enmity. How does the Bible describe us? As dead bones, as adulterers. As he compares us to the ugliness of festering wounds. But in Romans 5 verse 8 it says, But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners. In that ugly condition, Christ died for us. And he says, Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. And so we, we bless God because of his mercy. God demonstrated His love by sending Christ to die for sinners. God loves the unlovable, He could say, and His love is displayed toward His enemies. And we bless God the Father because that means that our salvation does not rest in anything in us, but it rests in the unchanging nature of God Himself. It rests in His infinite love and mercy. He chose to save sinners. Verse 2 says, Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. And that means the future of your salvation 
rests in him, in his love and his mercy. The salvation of his people is secure because, of his unchanging, because he is unchanging and his mercy endures forever. We have forfeited it long ago, but he chose to send Christ to die for sinners. And Romans 8 says, He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall we not with him also freely give us all things? And so we learn to bless God because that means that nothing can separate us from his love. Bless the Father because without his own love and mercy motivating that salvation, we could never be saved. Bless the Father because He is the one who chooses sinners, who seeks sinners, and who saves sinners, and who adopts sinners to become His children. And this is what produces that living hope of what Peter speaks of. That's our third thought. We bless God because He's begotten us to a living hope. The middle part of verse 3 there says, according to His abundant mercy, He's begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. In this world where we can find no lasting hope, no living hope, God raises us to a living hope. Here we find hope for the hopeless. Here we find sight for the blind that can now see the the light of eternity shining ahead. This is liberty from sin and from the bondage of this world. Ephesians 2 says, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Regenerated, we we mentioned, by God to give new life. That was impossible from our side because a dead person cannot change themselves. A dead soul cannot believe in God. A sinner cannot stop sinning. But God, who is rich in mercy... Because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses and sins, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. This gives a living hope. Not just a facelift or an external improvement in their lives, but but a a total renewal, a, a recreation. The Creator of heaven and earth recreates sinners to have that new life, that new living hope a hope of eternal life. And the eternal prospect that is in front of you is so bright and so bright a light that if it would shine through the clouds, it would blind us. There's a new and living hope that that we're no longer under the wrath of God and His justice. A a living hope that we're no longer on that broad road of destruction leading to eternal destruction or death no longer under the power and dominion of sin. A new and living hope that you have a new relationship with God. And now we stand, you stand justified in His sight. That means you've been legally declared not guilty. You've become the children of God adopted into His family with Christ as your older brother. So there's that new and living hope. There's a new destiny a new and eternal rest that awaits the people of God. And that new and living hope gives you new desires in this world, new loves. When the things of this world grow so dark and so dim and so dismal, you realize that all the things that used to attract you are 
no longer of any worth. They're all fading. They're all corrupting and temporal. But now there's a love for God. We love God because He first loved us. You desire to know Him more as your Father. Because you have a new relationship, you also have a new, because you have a new relationship with God, there's also a new relationship with this world. You see how they start rejecting you and how you reject everything that opposes God. Because we also have new responsibilities now to please our Heavenly Father, to obey and to follow Him and His Word. We have a new and living hope that is set on the light of the glory above, even if this world and the things in this world will never improve. Even though we have to pray for that, that there would be improvement if, we have, if we're sick or things are not going well, do we pray for the Lord to, to bless it and to restore it for our nation, our family, or ourselves? But even all those things are temporal, temporal blessings. But your greatest living hope is found in the joy that is set before you, that even as the Lord Jesus Himself, for the joy that was set before Him, despised the cross. Is it not? The best things of this world can only last a short moment, and they fade away. And so your living hope is living because it's grounded in the living and the unchanging God. And so your living hope looks past the circumstances of today, even if they improve or if they do not. It's the God who lives forever and who never changes. And that brings us then to our fourth thought. We bless God because He reserved an inheritance for you. You bless God because He's begotten you to a living hope. In verse 4 it says, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that it does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. An inheritance is something that you do not earn, but it's given. It's not based on how worthy you are, but it's passed down to you. And so you learn to bless God for the perfection of this inheritance and see, Peter here, he does not even try to describe really what that is or what, it, what it's like. But, but it's, it's so impossible to describe. He has, has no words to give a positive description of it. You know, Peter, or Paul, sorry, in 1 Corinthians 2 says, "'Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love Him. And so instead, Peter uses terms here to describe what it's not like. He says it's not like anything in this world, because everything in this world that we know is corrupt. Everything fades away. Everything rots or, or, or dies. Our dreams vanish, vanish. Our health fades. Our car rusts. Our, our houses, they, they, they rot away. And so that's the glimmer of the light of anything we have in this world is, is only like a candle that, that blows out so quickly in, in the wind. But he says here, your inheritance in heaven is, is incorruptible. It's imperishable. It cannot die or be lost or be stolen. He says it's undefiled. That means it's, it's pure, it's pristine. It cannot be spoiled. It, it cannot be tarnished in any way. It's an inheritance that does not fade away. It cannot diminish in beauty or, or splendor. 
It will never fail to satisfy us. How often do we see it in our own life when we, we get something new or the children get a present and it's only a, it lasts a day or two and then they're, they're sick of it. They're, either it's broken or they no longer want to play with it and they get old. But God's inheritance will, will never fade away. It will never diminish in its glory. And so we learn to bless God the Father because of the glorious inheritance that will never be taken away. And Peter says it's reserved in heaven for you. It's reserved, it's kept in heaven, kept out of reach of the thieves, out of, out of reach of the lawyers, out of, the, out of reach of the government taxation. It's being guarded by God Himself, kept in the safe of heaven. And that brings us lastly, fifthly, that we bless God because He not only keeps the inheritance, but He keeps you by His power through faith. We can have a living hope and confidence that you will receive this inheritance because Peter says, it is reserved in heaven for you, verse 5, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. You also are kept by the power of the Almighty God, the Creator of heaven and earth, who by grace through faith is your God and your Father. God guards and keeps you by His almighty power. Peter uses a military word here, to keep, to guard, or to protect with the intent to bring you safely home. If we consider who that is, the God who spoke this world into being, the God who now controls and upholds and governs this whole world, is the one who preserves you and keeps you as an army guards you. And that is why God can allow His people now to be scattered throughout this world. Because Peter is writing here to the persecuted believers throughout all northern Asia Minor, scattered by persecution, scattered so that they can preach the gospel to all the different cities and, and towns that they come to. But even though they're persecuted, even though they're hounded by the devil and his armies and by the enemies, they are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. Nothing can snatch them out of the hands of God. That's what Jesus said in John 10, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. Kept by the almighty power of God through faith for salvation. It refers to that final salvation when your faith will become sight. When that light at the end of the tunnel will finally be in its full glory when you take possession of that, e that eternal inheritance and glory. And faith is the means that God uses through which He gives you all these blessings. Faith is that channel through which these blessings flow to your soul, kept by the power of that God through faith unto final salvation. Is this what we believe when we confess? As the catechism says, that, yeah, I believe this is my God and my Father 
The Catechism goes on to say, on whom I rely so entirely that I have no doubt, but He will provide me with all things necessary for body and soul, and further that He will make whatever evils He sends upon me in this valley of tears turn out to my advantage, for He is able to do it being Almighty God and willing, being a faithful Father. Though you are scattered today, though we can feel scattered, even by the trials and the the challenges that we face, we are kept by the power of God. And that means we're not just barely hanging on, just barely going to make it somewhere. But as Paul says, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. As Paul says, nothing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Then to know that not only is He able as the God who spoke this world into being, but that He's, that He's willing as a faithful Father who knows our weakness, who knows our frailties, who knows that we are dust, but who has set His love upon you. You see how the catechism here in our confession draws out that personal nature of our confession. Now what do you believe when you confess? I believe in God the Father Almighty. Can you rely on Him today as your Father in heaven, so entirely for everything? And do you bless this God and Father through the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you have this living hope in front of you today that one day soon you will also be gathered together with His people to that homeland, to the the Father's land, to that inheritance which he, he promises to his family. And do you have that living hope that you also will see Christ, who is even now seated there at the right hand of God the Father? Because he's also given more. He's given that down payment to his people. The earnest of his spirit, he calls it. That down payment, that guarantee of the final possession of that inheritance that he promises. And so, whatever you are troubled with today, look up to where this light comes from, to where this living hope comes from, to your Father which is in heaven. But if there's those here today who have to say, I don't know if He is my Father. I don't know if I'm a partaker of that hope. This God and this Father is still calling to you as well through His Son, Jesus Christ, that whoever comes to Him will in no wise be cast out. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through Me. It is through Christ, by faith alone, that we become children of God and heirs of the kingdom. And so He says even today, come, repent of your sin." Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. He even urges you and says, come today before it is too late. Because your only hope, your only chance of of, of survival is here, is with the God of the universe, the only God who can keep you. This is where there is safety. This is where there is help. This is where there is deliverance. 
And his word says his ears are open to the cry of those who call upon him. Here it says, as we read, he, he is a willing father. A willing because he's faithful father. He desires all men to call upon him through Christ. He even says to his people, Israel, why, why would you die but turn and live? So this is where we are to come to him, like we heard this morning, to, to confess. Yes, we cannot. We even don't want to if we're honest. But this is where we confess it before him, who says he will forgive. He's the one who renews sinners through the power of his Holy Spirit to give that new life, to give that new living hope. But if there's those here who still have their hope set on this world, who still see the glimmerings of this world and say, that's where I want to go, that's where my security is, you will be disappointed every time. Because the brightest light in this world is nothing but a candle that will blow out, out in the wind. Nothing like a soap bubble. When you grab it, it pops. And so the Lord says, turn today. Forsake the world and everything of it. But if your hope is set in the God, the Father, today, and then we must bless Him for all these things. Let that living hope then strengthen you. And let it be strengthened by acknowledging Him and blessing Him for these five things that we've seen today. And do not let the difficulties of this world dis discourage you. As one man wrote, they're nothing but the crosswinds and the waves battering your ship as you're sailing to the harbor. Focus on the harbor. He's a willing and a faithful Father. And He's able because He's the Almighty Creator. Look unto Him.